Let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer as we prepare to hear from His Word. Please pray with me. Father, we are thankful for all your many gifts to us. And now we are especially grateful for the gift of the Scriptures of your Word. We ask that today you bless the hearing of your word. Help us to hear what Ruth 3 has to say to us clearly. Lord, we pray that you bless the preaching of your word. Help me to speak clearly, to be able to give your message for today. And Lord, we pray that you bless the reception of your word. Help all of us to receive what you have to say in the right way. Challenge, comfort, encourage all of us, we pray. Amen. So we're in a series on the book of Ruth. We're calling this series The Full Harvest of Kindness, and we're going to read Ruth chapter 3 today, but, but I had a bit of a, a challenging experience putting this text together today, and I want to start by talking a little bit about Rubik's Cubes. You probably mostly know of Rubik's Cubes, and you may not know these were originally designed as torture devices. Just kidding. But they are awful if you don't know the trick. You can sit there and you can fiddle and fiddle and fiddle and they don't make sense. They don't come together. And, and I have never learned the trick of Rubik's Cube. So I can spend hours getting nowhere. And I spent a fair amount of time this week with Ruth 3 feeling like I was spending hours fiddling and fiddling and just not knowing how to get there because this is, this is kind of a strange and kind of a challenging text. So I worked and I worked, and I, I came up with a plan that I think will help us find our way through this text and get to what it wants us to hear. But to get there, we're going to do something a little bit different than usual today. Usual, usually we read the whole text and I preach on it. We're going to read the text in four parts today, and then, and then as we work through it, reflect on each section, read the next section, reflect on it, read the next section, reflect on it, read the next section, reflect on it. And I hope doing that in part helps us get the sense of development of this text and, and what the Lord and what the, the human author of Ruth was trying to help us see through this text. So we're going to start this morning by reading from Ruth chapter 3. We're going to read just verses 1 to 4. There are Bibles in the benches. The words will be up on the screen. You may want to have it open in front of you, up to you, but there are Bibles available. And again, we're going to read this in several parts. We do have a tradition after the Scripture reading of saying, this is the word of the Lord, thanks be to God. And just so everybody knows, we're going to do that after the first reading, but not the rest of the readings. But now hear the word of the Lord from Ruth chapter 3. One day, Naomi, Ruth's mother-in-law, said to her, my daughter, should I not try to find a home for you where you will be well provided for? Is not Boaz, with whose servant girls you have been, a kinsman of ours? Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash and perfume yourself and put on your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. This is the word of the Lord. So there was a, a season in college where I had a roommate who got into Rubik's Cubes, and so we had a bunch laying around, and, and we were all spending time just fiddling with these things and trying to get it to go right and trying this scheme and trying that scheme. And then we started Googling the answers to it and what are the algorithms, and there are actually mathematical algorithms and different tricks you have. But we spent all kinds of time just working with these things to try to make it go. 
And what we see here in Ruth 3, 1 to 4 is Naomi scheming for security. She's, she's working away at things. She's thinking about this angle and that angle, and, and she's trying to find a way to provide long-term security for her and for Ruth. And just to review, Naomi and her husband, they left, they left Bethlehem, this town, a long time ago. They went off to the fields of Moab because there was more food there, and there was a famine in Bethlehem. Their sons married Moabite women, and then all the men in the family died. And Naomi and Ruth the Moabitess eventually come back to Bethlehem. And they've been blessed that they have enough food for right now, as we saw in chapter 2. But now, now Naomi has to wrestle with the reality that they are still very vulnerable. And so she, she sets out, especially for Ruth, but also for herself, to try to find some kind of security. And so we see the plan that she hatches here in the first few verses of Ruth chapter 3. And, and honestly, this plan's a bit nuts. It's risky. It's also kind of risque. And the way that the vocabulary that's used here, there's all kinds of things that should have us as readers going, you? What? Why? What is going on here? Naomi's plan is not, not really a good plan. Now, people do disagree on, on exactly what she's trying to do here. So I want to give you a couple options and then land on one that I think is the best answer. But, but this is hard. I'm not totally sure of this bit. But one option that people take is to say Naomi is trying to get Boaz in a situation where they can blackmail him. Naomi wants Ruth to seduce Boaz and they can say, hey, now you owe us. Huh? Now you owe us. And there's a long history in the Bible of of woman from Moab seducing and causing all kinds of trouble for God's people. Don't, Numbers 25 in particular, if you look back at that, there's all these Moabite women who come just as God's people are, are approaching the promised land and they, they convince Israelites to leave their God and to serve a different God. And so when we hear a plan that's hatched, even though Naomi's hatching it, even though we're in the promised land of, of this woman from Moab going to an upstanding member of God's people, there should be all kinds of alarm bells going off for us. This, this is not a good thing. It seems like Naomi here, well, she's probably in a better place than she has been at some other points in the book of Ruth, but this is not a good thing that she is trying to put together. So that's one interpretive option. But then there's another interpretive option, and, and that interpretive option depends on a couple concepts that show up earlier in the Scripture, and these are all actually Pentateuch chapter 25, but, it, but if we go to Deuteronomy 25, and you can look it up later if you like, there's this law called the Levirate Law, and if, if one brother dies and leaves a widow behind, then his brother has to marry the widow, and their first son carries on the name of the first brother. And this is a way of making sure that family lines didn't die out. So, so there is this law that brothers, kinsmen, have to, have to step up and provide heirs for their relatives. And then there is the Goel law, and that's in Leviticus 25. And, and in this case, if someone in your broader family, if a kinsman had to sell off a field, if he hit really rough times and, and had to sell off the land, then your job as a kinsman was to go and to redeem that land, to buy it back. So there's this complex of God's instructions of, of how families were supposed to take care of each other. But the, the brother-in-law thing only applies to brothers-in-law. It doesn't seem like it goes beyond that in terms of having to provide an heir for, for your family. And, and the kinsman-redeemer thing, well, 
It doesn't seem like it quite, it does fit, but it also doesn't quite fit what Naomi is trying to do here. So there's one option that says Naomi is just being crazy, but there's another option that says she's, she's on the way. She's trying to work within the framework of God's laws and instructions and how God has told his people to function, but it's not quite right, but she's in the neighborhood. So how do we read this text? Is Naomi being disobedient and acting against the Lord's ways and against the Lord's will, or, or is she being obedient and on the way but not quite there yet? That was the question of the week for me. And where I landed was yes. Where I landed, and I think where the narrator wants us to be at this point, is to recognize that Naomi is not there yet, but she's on the way. Naomi has this sense that that the way you want to function is within God's law, and God provides well for his people, especially for people who are vulnerable. And, And so she's trying to tap into that, but at the same time, Naomi spent a lot of time in Moab. And Naomi has a little bit of a difficult relationship with the Lord, and so she can't quite trust him. So she's, so she's pulling on some other things, and, and what it ends up looking like is Naomi is kind of just flailing. She's got some good ideas, and she's got some terrible ideas, and they're all mixed up, and she doesn't know what to do, and so she's just trying to do something because we need, we need something, and, and the Lord will provide, but I need to provide for myself, and what, what do I... And, 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 and so I think when we look at Naomi here, we should see someone who is, again, on the way but not there yet who is really royally messing up in some respects and hatching this scheme that just doesn't make any sense. But, but at the same time, she has some sense that she really, she thinks the Lord will provide, and so she wants to trust in him. And the drama of Ruth chapter 3, in part, starts out of that, that sense of flailing. And yes, yes, but, but we're pulled both directions, and what's going to happen? And I think in a lot of ways, that's actually where well, where we as individuals, but also where the broader church, the broader church in our time and place is, that in one sense, we've, we've been in, in with the world too long, and we're compromising, and, and what looks right to us, because it looks right to the culture, is simply not right, and so we're indulging in all these things that don't make any sense, but yet we do want to follow God, and we trust his word, and we trust his ways, and, and so, yeah, we want to do things the right way, but, but we aren't quite sure, and so we're over here, and we're over here, and we're, we're so often flailing and mixed up. This text is not a be like Naomi text. Do not do, not do what Naomi does here. But I think this text is a, we are like Naomi. We are like Naomi. So often we're mixed up, and we're, we're fiddling around with stuff, and we're trying to make it work, but we're just messing up. We are just messing up. And so as we, as, we look, as we look forward, we have to ask the question, what's, what's going to happen here? We've got our schemes, and, and maybe in some ways they're honoring the Lord, in some ways they're not, but, but what's going to happen here? Are things going to go terribly wrong, or is God going to work it out? So let's see what happens here in Ruth chapter 3. We'll read the next few verses now from Ruth Five to verse 9 of chapter 3. So the focus here shifts from Naomi to Ruth. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man, and he turned and discovered a woman lying at his feet. 
Who are you? He asked. I am your servant Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer. So what we see here is that Ruth obediently approaches Boaz, and Boaz is the redeemer. So Ruth obediently approaches the redeemer. So Ruth says she'll do whatever Naomi says, and then she goes off and she does everything that Naomi said. She, she hides at the threshing floor, she uncovers Boaz's feet, and, and does all this stuff that honestly maybe made more sense culturally than it would now, but it's a little bit iffy. So Ruth obeys, but then there comes a point when Ruth stops obeying Boaz. What Naomi has told her to do is is just to stand there and and see what happens. But Ruth does something different. And before we talk about what she does, let's remind ourselves of where Ruth is. Ruth, as chapter 2 reminded us over and over and over again, Ruth is from Moab. She is an outsider. She is vulnerable. She does not belong. She is at the threshing floor in a place where she doesn't really belong, where she hasn't been invited. And she's a woman in a very patriarchal society. And, and she's coming to this native Israelite, to this very wealthy man. So she is in all kinds of ways in a position in vulnerability, position of vulnerability. And what Naomi's told her to do is just wait till Boaz wakes up and then, and then just say, I'm Ruth, here I am. But what does Ruth do? Ruth identifies herself, but then she does something extraordinary. She speaks up and she asks Boaz, spread, your, spread the corner of your garment over me, for you are a kinsman redeemer. Now, we culturally have no idea what that means. So let's unpack that a bit. One thing Ruth is doing here is proposing marriage. Spread your garment over me is a way of saying, bring me into your family. Marry me. Shocking. But then Ruth is also, and this is really significant, Ruth is picking up on language that Boaz has used earlier. In chapter 2, verse 12, the Lord, or I'm sorry, Boaz sees Ruth in his field and he finds out who she is and, and he says to her, I've heard all the good things you've done for your mother-in-law. May the Lord spread his wings over you. May the Lord spread his wings over you, Ruth. May he take care of you. May he bring you into his people. And then here comes Ruth in the next chapter and she says to Boaz, spread your wings over me. What Ruth is doing is she is acting, she's asking Boaz Will you be the Lord's human agent? Will you be part of the Lord fulfilling the blessing that you have given and that you have prayed for? Will you, in fact, do what you see the Lord is wanting to do? Will you follow the Lord's will and be the Redeemer? And on a deeper level here, Ruth is, well, she's expressing confidence in Boaz, but really she's expressing confidence in the Lord. What she's doing is she's saying the Lord has set this up, this whole system of of redemption, And she's trusting that the Lord, the Lord, her God, will act to redeem. And it's it's significant at this point that Ruth uses this particular language, that, that she picks up the language that Boaz used of the Lord, because Ruth, as chapter 2 told us again and again, is a Moabite. So she should be serving Chemosh, that other god of Moab. But instead, she is serving Yahweh, the Lord God. This is Ruth saying that she's been converted. This is Ruth saying that that unlike what we've just seen with Naomi, she is trusting entirely in the ways of the Lord. 
Now, Ruth is asking for something that totally fits with the spirit of the law, but, but goes a little beyond the letter of the law. But what she is doing is she is going to Boaz and saying, will you really be the Lord's person? I am committing myself to the Lord God and to his people. Will you be the Lord's person? Will you be my redeemer? And there are two sides to this. And one side is that, is that Ruth is trusting in the Lord's promises and provision, and she is being faithful. But there's another side to it, that she is being unbelievably audacious. She is stepping way, way out on a limb here. But she is doing it with faith in the Redeemer. And, and what we can hear from this is that when we are in a difficult and vulnerable position, when we feel like there is, there is no hope for us, when we are, as, as we seem to be in this cultural season, in a time when, when the church is vulnerable, when the church is culturally weaker than it's been for a long, long time here in North America, when we are in difficult and uncertain circumstances, what do we do? Well, when we are vulnerable, we go to the Lord. And even though maybe we were outsiders, we go to the Lord and we embrace the identity that He's given us. And we don't come to the Lord and demand, give me what I want. We come to the Lord and we work within the framework that he's given us. And we say, look, this is, this is what you've promised. This is what you've given. This is what you've said. Be faithful to what you've said. And the word of the Lord is full of amazing promises of God's kindness. And so this is a text of, of in many ways, be like Ruth. And be like Ruth in going to the Lord with un- unbelievable audacity. And not to get our own way, but to go to the Lord and say, Lord, you have told us you are gracious and compassionate. You have told us that you are kind. Be kind to us. We need it. We need it. We need it. And so in this season as a church, I I want to invite us to turn our eyes again to the Redeemer. To approach our Lord Jesus Christ and say, Lord, we need you. We need you. We need you. Be faithful to your promises. And then here in Ruth 3, we see Boaz's response. And we'll read that in just a minute, but before we read that, I, I want to remind you of what the most likely responses are here. One option is that Boaz will see Ruth in this incredibly vulnerable position and he will take advantage of her in some way or other. Ruth has no status, no protection, no backup, no anything. She is way out on a limb. And so Boaz can do anything he wants. That's one response. Another likely response is that Boaz will say, what are you doing here? You don't belong. You've been invited. Get out. Those are the two responses that the original audience would have expected Boaz to potentially make. But now let's go back to Ruth and see what Boaz actually does. And we'll read Ruth 3 from verse 10 to verse 15. The Lord bless you, my daughter, Boaz replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All my fellow townsmen know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am near of kin, there is a kinsman redeemer nearer than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to redeem good, let him redeem. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized, and he said, Don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. And he also said, Bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and put it on her. Then he went back 
to town. So the odds are low that Boaz would do this, but what Boaz does is he blesses Ruth in word and in action. And notice here, kindness is one of the key words in the book of Ruth, and it's, it's a deep, deep word of, of loving kindness, of incredible grace. And Boaz is practicing that even in his response to Ruth. He could reject Ruth, but he doesn't. And he actually, well, he actually gives her a new identity. In chapter 2, Boaz is called a man of noble standing. And here, Boaz uses that same word to call Ruth a, a woman of noble character. And what Boaz is doing is recognizing a reality, but he's also creating a reality. See, he could say, you Moabitess. But instead, he says, Ruth, you woman of noble character. Ruth is no longer an outsider right at that moment. Right at that moment, Boaz is saying, you belong. You are part of God's people by my kindness. As a representative of the Lord, you now belong. You are a new person. Boaz speaks this reality into being. It is amazing what just some words can do. Ruth has asked, Ruth has asked for Boaz to spread his wings over her, and, and Boaz has said, yes, yes, I will take care of you. And then, and then Boaz does something interesting. He he doesn't necessarily say, I'm going to be the one who's going to do all of this. He says, well, well, there's actually someone who's closer in, relation to, closer in relation to you than I am, so I'm going to go talk to him. And what Boaz is saying is, we're going to do this all the right way. There will be no shortcuts. I'm not going to take advantage of anybody. We're going to follow the Lord's will, but you are going to be bought back. You are going to be redeemed. You are going to belong. Boaz is willing to willing to take whatever hit he needs to take to make sure that the redemption laws are followed through. And then at the end here, Boaz tells Ruth to, to stick around, and it seems like what he's doing there is protecting her, because if she goes wandering off, she's, she's even more vulnerable. But no, now she belongs here, and so she will be cared for. And then before he does send her off in the morning, when it's safe to go back to town, Boaz gives Ruth this huge gift of grain, and and it doesn't give us actually how much it was. Some people say it was hundreds of pounds, which it's hard to envision Ruth carrying back. And some people say it's a couple handfuls. But what we probably should picture here is that Boaz gives Ruth just a little bit more than she can comfortably carry. So much that she can carry it, but, but it's just a little bit of stretch because he's so generous. Boaz provides for Ruth far beyond what she's even asked for. And she has been audacious in what she asked for. And here in Boaz, we see a picture of Jesus. Jesus is our Redeemer, who when we come to him, he is so kind that he speaks into being. He is the word of God, and he speaks into being a new identity for us. We are new people because Jesus says so. And Jesus backs that up with his actions, that he, he gives us blessings beyond what we can even really grasp in this life. Boaz is Ruth's Redeemer, and he is a picture of who Jesus is for us. He is the one when we are outsiders, when we are desperate, when we are needy, when we don't have enough, that we can go to the Lord and based on his promises say, provide for me. And in Jesus, the Lord always provides. Let's go back and we'll wrap up with the last couple verses of this passage. Ruth 3, 16 to 18. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, how did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, 
He gave me these six measures of barley, saying, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. So in verse 16, Naomi asks, How did it go, my daughter? And the way that's phrased in the original Hebrew is, is actually a little bit of a funny thing. It isn't actually, how did it go? You can't hear it that way. But the primary meaning of the phrase is, who are you? And I think that's intentionally ambiguous. In one level, Naomi is asking, how did it go? But, but in another level, what's being asked here and what we're supposed to see is, well, who are people at this point? Who are you? And then Naomi goes on after she hears what Ruth says, and basically she says, the Redeemer's going to take care of it. We don't need to do any more scheming. Let's just sit back and see what he'll do. Naomi, from the beginning to the end of the chapter, has moved from, we got a scheme, we got to put everything together, to, to the Redeemer's got it. Now, this is a time to be like Naomi, to say, Jesus, the Redeemer, has got it. And who is Ruth at this point? As I've said a few times in this sermon, in chapter 2, Ruth is very clearly from Moab, but, but in chapter 3, she isn't anymore. Ruth has had the Lord's wings spread over her. She is the Lord God. She is not. She belongs to the Lord God. She is not the Lord God. She belongs to the Lord God. Don't quote me on that first bit. But then who's Boaz? Boaz is the Redeemer. Boaz is the one who gives us a picture of grace and kindness beyond all expectation. And Jesus is the one who gives us grace and kindness beyond all expectation. Boaz is like Jesus, and yet, and yet in some sense, we are supposed to be like Boaz too. That we respond to God's grace and kindness by, by passing it on. In a certain God-commissioned way, the elders and deacons, the pastors here, we are, we are supposed to present Christ. We are supposed to look to Jesus and see his kindness and pass it on. But, but in another way, all of us, since we have the office of belonging to Jesus, being a member of his church, we are supposed to pass God's kindness on to others. But the only way we can really do that is we have looked to the Redeemer and we have truly seen who Jesus is. So going back to college, and we'll wrap up with this, my... My roommate, Jason, he, he figured out the Rubik's Cube. He was the only one of us who did, but he figured it out. And then he started getting bigger and bigger Rubik's Cubes. And they make them like this, or even bigger. And they get more and more complicated, and they're crazy. And I, in my mind, they're unsolvable. But we got to the point that we could walk by, pick up this kind of Rubik's Cube off Jason's desk, whirl it around, and he would sigh and pick it up. And, and about a minute later, it'd be solved. See, we saw this, but what Jason saw, and let's go to the next picture. This is what Jason saw. This is my kind of Rubik's Cube. And this is how God's plan looks to God. To us, everything is impossible and we're flailing. We don't know what to do and it doesn't make any sense. But God's got it all covered. In God's plan, everything comes together in the Redeemer. And we can trust that even if we don't see it right now, God does. From God's perspective, there is no puzzle. From God's perspective, he has spread his wings over his people and all of us belong. All of us who belong to Jesus belong. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for the promises of your word. And yet, Father, we have to admit that often we don't understand your promises or we disbelieve your promises or we twist your promises. And so, Lord, we ask that you help us as a church to come to you in the right way 
to come to you with the audacity that you give us the license for, but to come in a way that depends on your faithfulness and your kindness. Lord, give us the grace of correcting us when we get off course. And Lord, we ask that you give us simply your kindness for us who were outsiders but who now belong to you. We pray all this in your name. Amen.